Vincent Werbeck's Derby. If I take you back to the 1980s, some of you weren't there, but I'll take you back there. And I was in primary school, and uh, there was an Aussie soap that was kind of doing really quite well. And there were two Australians that were beginning to make a move into the pop business. Um, and I began to admire them quite greatly, actually. Now, thankfully, a friend of mine, uh, for my seventh birthday, bought me Michael Jackson Bad for, my, uh, for a present. So that was my first album. He saved me from having Jason Donovan's Ten Good Reasons as my first album. And for those of you who remember that era... Um, yeah, you remember that. But, you see, I quite like Jason Donovan. I was captivated by his windswept Aussie surfer hair, uh, Kylie Minogue singing Especially For You, and I had posters on my walls of these guys, and uh, I wanted to be like them. Thankfully, the mullet never quite got there, but uh, that was what I was aiming for for a little while, and then I grew up. But I don't know who it was for you, um, so just kind of have that in your mind. But today, as Phil said, we're continuing our series on Philippians. And if you're visiting church today or you're new to this God stuff, then just to say, Philippians is a letter, it's part of the Bible, it was written by a guy called Paul to a real church in kind of area around modern day Greece. It was overwhelmed with love for them. We've thought about the fact that Paul was in prison and he saw it as an opportunity to uh, share the good news about Jesus. And then last week, I've heard there was incredible talk on living um, in light of the gospel, really, living lives worthy of the gospel. And today, we're going to continue into chapter 2. And a couple of months ago, Phil challenged us to learn Philippians. And there's something he'd like to uh, share with us, Philippians 2, 1 to 11. Amazing. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility. Value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Fantastic, Dan. Thank you so much for that. Um, You did it a lot better than I would have been able to, I'm sure. Now, I know that there are a number of people who are teachers in the room this morning. There are people who are involved in education. So I'm a little bit nervous about talking about how we learn stuff. But I came across a quote by Benjamin Franklin, who um, is one of the founding fathers of the USA. He's not in the musical Hamilton, I understand. He's on the $100 bill, and that's the guy I'm thinking about. And he said... 
Tell me and I forget. Teach me and I may remember. Involve me and I learn. Now, as Google sometimes does this, it does the kind of fake news stuff, um, somebody mixed it up a little bit, and they said, he thought, they thought he said, tell me and I forget, show me and I may remember, involve me and I learn. And no disrespect to uh, Benjamin Franklin, but I quite like the second one, really. Um, so we're going to kind of use that to think about what Paul was saying in our reading. This. Paul is telling us some things, and then he shows us some things, And then as a result of that, he invites the Philippians and by kind of extension us to get involved. So let's think about what does Paul tell us? If you've got your Bible on you, if you've got your Bible on your phone, it'd be really good if you could open it up to Philippians 2. If you haven't got a Bible, if you don't own a Bible, we would love to give you a Bible. Um, There are some over there by that pillar. We really do believe that reading this book will change your life. But if you could turn to Philippians 2, that would be amazing because we're going to work through it together this morning. Now I went to school Hopefully people have found it. I went to school um, during a time when, for some reason, the government thought it was a good idea to stop doing grammar. I don't really know why this is. Maybe some of you went to school around the same time. But I didn't know what a noun is, a verb is, an adverb is, an adjective. I didn't know what any of this stuff was, which made it really difficult when we came to learn French came to learn German, made it even harder when I had to do New Testament Greek at Vicar School. I had to keep flicking to the back of the book and they'd talk about these things and I'd be like, a tense, okay, what's a tense, what's going on here? And if you're like me, if you kind of missed the grammar bit at school, you might miss some of the bits in Paul's reading because our reading today starts with a therefore. And words like therefore and so and yet and however and but, they're kind of words that link things together. They're bits that stand on previous bits that have been said. And so our reading today starts with a therefore. And Paul is saying, in light of what I've just written, which was living lives worthy of the gospel that Dan spoke about yesterday, I'm going to tell you this. So it kind of links in really closely, the therefore, that's where it starts. And he starts with four ifs. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. And the ifs are not about possibilities or probabilities. They're about realities and certainties. So he's not saying if this is the case in terms of how we would think of it. He's saying, you have these things. You are followers of Jesus. And then, he uses the word then, He he lists off some things he wants us to do. He wants us to be like-minded, one in spirit and one mind. You see, his longing for the church is to be united. He wants them to be united around Jesus. And a few weeks ago, when I started this series, we saw Paul's love for this church. These are his friends. These are his brothers and sisters. These are his families, his family. And he wants them to be joined together, being like-minded, being of one spirit, of the same love. But he does say, therefore, it means you don't want to do some things. You don't want to have selfish ambition. You don't want to have vain conceit. What is vain conceit when it's at home? Well, another translation says, don't try to impress others. But instead, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the Mark Twain quite often gets quoted in different things. And I don't quite know what he does. But he says something really helpful. And um, I sometimes bring it up in, uh, when I'm preaching. 
He said, it's not the bits of the Bible that I don't understand that trouble me. It's the bits that I do. Well, look at that moustache. That's quite impressive, isn't it? Now, apart from vain conceit, I think what Paul is saying is pretty straightforward for the church. It's just, it's flipping hard to do. Like, I, I don't know, you're kind of sitting there and you're thinking, God, do you really want me to value that person's interests above my own? Do you really want me to be like-minded with that person? Lord, them, I, I can do it with my friends, but not all these people around Jesus. Really, really hard. In fact, Paul really, once again, is calling us towards authentic community. He's calling us to value and care one another, rooted in Jesus. So that's Paul's tell me, if you like. But then he goes on to show me. He kind of steps it up a gear. A number of years ago, there was a really successful marketing campaign in the States. Um, A lot of you may remember WWJD bands. I had one of various colours at different points, and they kept breaking. I thought they were a wonderful opportunity to share with people about Jesus. And sometimes people asked about it. It was probably about 20 years ago now. But actually, Paul is thinking, and he's pointing to them, what would Jesus do? It's a bit like with me. When I was younger, growing up, I wanted to be like Jason Donovan, which was a little bit sad. Thankfully, I've grown out of that. But actually, he's saying to the Philippians, if you want to be of one heart and mind, if you want to show love for one another, if you want to be like-minded, this is what you need to look like. This is the person that you need to look like. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, just in case you're new to this stuff, when you're wondering, why has Paul gone all school teacher and put, put Jesus' last name before his first name? Christ isn't Jesus' surname. Christ is a title. It's like sir or lord. It literally means anointed one. It's the Greek for anointed one. The Hebrew for anointed one is Messiah. So it's like Christ Jesus, Messiah Jesus. It's not just his surname. And now Paul's going to show us. He's saying, in light of everything you're going through, the opposition you're facing, let's look at Jesus. That's how we live this stuff. He puts the spotlight on Jesus. In fact, this section is so famous and so profound that many think it was an early hymn of the church that Paul kind of took and put in there. Now, it may be that Paul created it. It may be that he took it from somewhere else. Whatever, it ended up in Philippians. And it beautifully portrays Jesus. Now, I know at words we we don't very often go through things verse by verse. But actually, this is incredible. It's a masterpiece of poetry and theology. And that's why it'd be great if we can just work through it together. Verse 6 says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus is God. The eternal Son existing with the eternal Father at the beginning. And he chose not to use his equality with the Father to his own advantage. Jesus shows us the right use of power. This is in stark contrast, if you think back to the Adam and Eve story. What did they do? They tried to grasp to be like God. Jesus is God, co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, and going, actually, I'm not going to use this to my own advantage. The complete reverse of what we see with Adam and Eve. And for us, in a culture that is so nervous about power, they see power dynamics everywhere. And some of that's good because it means we listen to the voices of those on the edge. But actually, Jesus shows us how to use power, not for our own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, 
by taking the very nature of a servant. A number of years ago, I was with my sister and our 20-year-old niece. And I know for some of us, flying is something we do loads, and for some of us, we've never been on a plane. But for us, we go and see my dad from time to time, but only once in my life have I been bumped up, and that was on our honeymoon. I got bumped up to a slightly better class. But in this case... We were coming back, and they'd overbooked the plane. And they said, oh, do you want to go, and do you want to be kind of bumped up? Now, I was just about to say, yes, that's a wonderful idea. When Rach turned to me, turned to me and said, we can't do that, that means Alex and Grace will be on their own. I heartily agreed. <laughs> um, and we didn't. We ended up flying with them 10 hours across the Atlantic and uh, in a, you know, at the back of the bus, which is where we normally sit. But actually, Jesus didn't just step down from kind of business class to economy. He didn't just step down from pressure of a servant. The eternal son becoming a servant, he washed the disciples' feet. He said, I'll show you the full extent of my love, and he washes their feet. What an example for the church. Paul is saying, this is what the church should look like. One unknown person, and it, was, it was an unknown quote, I don't know where it came from, said, how do you know if you have a servant's heart? By how we act when we're treated like one. How do we know if we've got a servant's heart? By how we act when we're treated like one. I find that really challenging. Just last week, as Phil said, I was skiing, and I hadn't gone on this trip with the team before. And I was sat down kind of eating with the other guests. And the guy who was leading, it was the first night, said, Andy, get up, I need you to come and help in the kitchen. And I was like, I'm chatting. Like, you know, and he was quite a gruff, blunt Scotsman. And so he didn't say it with all the kind of tactfulness and grace that some of us might. And I was like, what? And it kind of, but actually, how we react when somebody does that says a lot about our servant hearts. I did actually eventually get up after slightly going, okay, and go and help in the kitchen. Jesus was made in human likeness, found in appearance as a man. Just over two months ago here and uh, churches across the land, we celebrated Christmas. We celebrated what theologians call the incarnation. This incredible truth that Jesus became man, the God-man. Just incredible theology going on there. One of the early church fathers who I'm sure we all know about, a guy called Athanasius. Can you believe we end up talking about Athanasius in our Alpha group last term? It's the most random thing. Never happened to me before, but we got on to him. He said, what has not been assumed has not been redeemed. Basically, Jesus had to take on all of our flesh. If, if there were bits of our lives that Jesus didn't take on, then he couldn't redeem it. Jesus became fully human and was fully God. And then he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And if you want a word that summarizes the mindset of Jesus, that if you remember nothing else from what I say this morning, can you remember the word humility? Can we get Pentecostal and turn to the person next to him and say humility? Humility. Jesus modeled humility for us. He modelled humility by being obedient to the Father and dying for us. And it wasn't just any death, he died on a cross. According to the Old Testament, to be hung on a tree was to be cursed. And Jesus took that curse for us. C.S. Lewis said that humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Jesus said, coming up to the cross, not my will be done, but yours be done. 
He did that for us. Jesus models perfect humility. Just incredible. And Paul's saying, guys, this is how your mindset should be. And then Paul has a therefore. Because Jesus did these things, because he stepped down, because he became a servant, because he died on the cross, therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above. Isn't that incredible? Jesus spoke about people being blessed when they went through hardship. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For theirs are the kingdom of God. Jesus went through the greatest hardship we can possibly imagine and now is sitting on a throne in heaven. And those words from Isaiah 45 that talk about every knee, every tongue confessing are now given to Jesus. So if you have conversations with your friends who don't believe Jesus was God, somebody asked me a few weeks ago about JWs. The things that they said about God in the Old Testament, they now suddenly say about Jesus in the New. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, Paul has taken us down through the story, beginning with Christ and the Father before the beginning of time, stepping down the incarnation, and now he points us to a vision in eternity. The end of time, verse 6 says, um, yeah, the beginning of time, and now that everyone will acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's just an incredible section of Scripture pointing us again and again and again to Jesus and saying, this is how. We should live. So Paul's done the tell me. He's done the show me. Look at Jesus. Jesus is showing us how this is done. And now, for us, we have the involve me. It's easy to read. But actually, what would it look like for us as works to serve one another in this way? What would it look like for us to take the nature of a servant to one another? What it looked like to care about one another's interests above our own? And it's not a pointy finger because I know it goes on week, day by day, week by week, hour by hour, in the small things and in the big things. But actually, this is what God is calling us to. If we want to build authentic community, this is the mindset we need to have. And not just at church. I want you to just imagine Wednesday, middle of the week, hump day, they call it. I don't know what your Wednesday's looking like. I don't know what your calendar looks like. I don't know where you'll be. What would it look like to have the mindset of Jesus Wednesday morning? In your office. In your family. That's where I find it hardest, actually. I find it hardest in my family. I'm okay when other people are watching, but when nobody's watching, it's just my family. That's where I find it hardest to have the mindset of Jesus. And obviously God empowers, that for, empowers us for that. It's not like we just have to kind of stir it up and do it. But I think there's something about saying, do you know what, I'm going to go from this place this week and we're going to seek to live it out in our weeks. A friend of mine used to say to me at Vicar School, he used to say, Andy, all good theology should lead us to doxology. All good talk about God should lead us to worship. That's what it means. And actually Paul finishes this image at the end of time when every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. And we get the privilege to join in with that now. So that's kind of where I want to finish it. We kind of got, this is the the tell me, this is the show me, this is the involve me. And then we get to worship.
So I'm going to invite you to stand and I'm going to pray.